guest that's visiting with us today. We're, we're, we're excited that you chose to, to visit us today. Uh, we believe that you'll find uh, the people here to be very strange. And so you're going to fit right in uh, with this group. A lot of people tell me when they come to join the church, say, I love this church because these, uh, we've come to figure out that these people are just as messed up as I am. And so they want to be a part of that. And uh, the pastor is at the top of that list. But uh, it's great to have you if you're a guest. There's a little card in your seat back there. If you'd just take that and fill it out, I promise you we don't want to bug you. We don't want to harass you. Uh, we just want to know who you are and know your name. You can leave that laying in your seat on your way out this morning and just slide out. No one will ever even know that you're here other than the card that you leave behind. Or you could take it to the Welcome Center, and they might give you a really awesome gift like a, a coffee mug like this right here. Uh, and so, and it might even have some stuff in it, might even have a hundred dollar bill in it, but I doubt it. But, uh, if you drop it off at the welcome center, they'd have a little gift for you there, but it's so great to have you worship with us today. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can be turning back to the old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy chapter five. And, uh, you know, we, this morning we're continuing our, our kind of end of summer series that we've been calling Give Me a Break. It's kind of been centered around this idea of vacations because I've noticed that many of you have vacationed this summer. And uh, for, you know, it, it's kind of hit and miss during the summer because there's a lot going on. But honestly, during the summer, that's a time that we kind of designate and set aside to get renewed, refreshed, re-energized, uh, especially with for those of us that, uh, those of you that have kids going back to school or you're going back to school. Uh, we just need a break. And so this series has kind of been centered around uh, this idea of uh, that we can find rest and relaxation without actually even spending any money, without going on a trip, without, you know, having to travel or drive anywhere. Because what we've been seeing is that we can find rest and relaxation and rejuvenation and, and, and all of this. We can find this in God right here, right now at any time. And so well, what we're doing is, is we're taking a look at the Ten Commandments. And I started out saying we're going to look at some of the Ten Commandments. And I was planning on this being about a four-week series. Well, this is week five. And I find myself just rolling right along. So who knows? We may do all ten before it's said and done. But what we're doing is, is we're taking a look at these Ten Commandments which were basically the ancient laws that God gave us through uh, Moses some 3,000 years ago, right? I mean, they're old, they're, they're ancient. And, and these commandments have literally been the moral framework for governments and for societies for the last, you know, for thousands and thousands uh, of years. And, and I believe what we're also finding is, is that they are still, today, they're incredibly relevant uh, to us today today as the church and as followers of Jesus Christ. And, and so we've been talking about the fact that, you know, we, we often look at the Ten Commandments as, you know, a list of rules, a, a checklist of things that, that we, you know, we, well, we've got to do this because this is one of the top ten, you know, and we look at them in that light. But what we've been seeing, hopefully, and learning over these past few weeks is that, you know, the Ten Commandments aren't something that we have to follow. 
You know, it's not something that we, we have to do in order to earn God's love. It's not something that we have to do in order to earn God's grace. We sang about it earlier. He's a good, good father. He gives us that. He extends his love, his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness to us, uh, you know, uh, before we do anything good or do anything right. God's love is unconditional and it's not based on who we are. It's not based on... Uh, I'm hoping that's an agreement. Uh, but, it, you know, it's not based on what we do, but it's solely based on His love and His grace and His forgiveness and all these things that He gives us. It is based on who He is and what He's done for us. And what he's done on our behalf. Uh, uh, and so, you know, the reason that we follow these commands is what we've been talking about. It's not because we have to. It's because we get to. And he gives us these guidelines so that we can fully experience and live under the blessing that he has for us. We don't have to do it. It's something we're privileged to do uh, based on what he's done for us. And so when we do that, we can truly find... When we live in that, when we live within these parameters and these guidelines that he's given us, we will truly find rest. We will truly find uh, energy. We, you know, we'll, we'll find these things that we've been talking about in our hearts and our souls when we live in his blessings. And so the commandment that we're going to look at today is this. All right, it's a very short commandment. It's found in verse 17. It's basically four words, and it says this. You must not murder. Got it? Amen. All right, we'll be dismissed. <laughs> we were talking about it last night. The boys came over. And we were having uh, dinner last night, and they were arguing about biscuit. I don't know, something to do with food. And I'm like, y'all be nice to each other. I'm, I'm preaching on murder tomorrow. And Hunter said, well, that should be quick. You're actually going to preach on the commandment, do not murder, you know? <laughs> I mean, who needs that, right? And, and so, you know, out of, of all the Ten Commandments, we probably think this is the one that needs the least amount of explanation. I, I mean, y'all are probably going, Steve, did you really think it was going to take an entire uh, sermon to, in, you know, encourage me and, you know, tell me that, that we don't need to commit murder because it, it, it's straightforward, four simple words. But here's what I believe. I believe if we look at this command closely today, we're going to find that this is very relevant to every single one of us here today. Now, the emphasis of this commandment is pretty obvious, right? You must not murder. But what exactly does God mean by this word murder? Now, for many of you, you were raised in church on the King James Version of the Bible, right? Because there just weren't really that many translations out there when we were younger. The King James Version was uh, uh, translated back in the 1600s, and for hundreds of years, that was all we had uh, in the English language was this King James Version translation. Uh, but... How, what, how did y'all learn that in the King James Version? What did that say? I've, I've seemed to forget. Thou shalt not what? Kill. Thou shalt not kill was what we were raised being taught, right? That was the Ten Commandments we memorized. 
When we were little kids and we were taught in Sunday school, thou shall not kill. Now, there's a pretty, I would say, significant difference today between killing and murder. Wouldn't you say? Uh, you know, last week uh, we were doing a, some painting around the house uh, because our house, as I've shared with you, is not a place of rest. It's a place of projects per my wife, Lynette. And so we were doing some painting. And, but anyway, uh, had a couple of brushes there. And, and uh, I, I, I don't mind cleaning the brushes out because I just hate using the brushes. So Lynette says, I'll do the brush part if you'll wash them out, right? And I'm like, well, that's, that's easy enough because she don't like to wash them out. So I, I'm washing them out in the sink, getting all the paint out of the brushes. And, you know, when you get your, all your paint washed out of your brushes, you've got them full of water now, and so you need to sling them out. So can't do that in the house. She got on to me for doing that. But so anyway, so, so I'm, I, it's dark. I'm going outside because that's when we do projects at our house is in the dark at night. So I, I go out off the back porch. I flip the back porch light on, hop out, you know, off the porch. And our porch is only about this high off the back, jump down the grass, and man, I start doing my thing. And I'm a, I'm a good paintbrush slinger, I'm just telling you. And in, anyway, I'm slinging this water out of these brushes. And while I'm doing that, I hear this noise that I, I, I immediately I thought, I've never heard this noise before. And, and I, you know, thought at, at first that it was, it, it was a frog, but it wasn't really a frog, but it was just enough to catch my attention. And I'm slinging these brushes. I've got it going on. And when I hear this noise, I look to see where it's coming from. And it's a snake. Who knew snakes grunted? All right. But here's what they do. They grunt right before they bite you. And so this snake has its head up. I'm right here beside it, slinging these brushes. It, you know, it ain't never seen nothing like this in its life, I'm sure. And so it's just doing what it, you know, knows to do, and that's defend itself. And so, you know, I, I, I drop brush, go in the house, I'm yelling, and that's like, what's going on? I'm like, a snake tried to bite me, and you know, and I'm freaking out, screaming, screaming like a little girl, and, and, and I go and get a shovel, and so I, I don't know what it's like at your house, but at my house, uh, the, the rule is, is the only good snake is a dead snake, all right? That is the rule at my house, and if that is not the rule at your house, you're weird, all right? And so I go and I get the shovel and, um, you know, and it's trying to bite the shovel and I finally detach its head from its body and, and I killed it. All right. I killed the snake. Now, that's what we would say in a situation like that. We, we killed the snake. It would, be, it would be a little odd for me to say, I murdered the snake, right? I mean, we just wouldn't say that uh, in the language that we have today because, we, you know, we don't talk like that. If someone's killed in a traffic accident, what do we say? Well, they were accidentally killed. We don't say that they were accidentally uh, murdered. Uh, and so there's a different feeling that is associated with killing and with murder, wouldn't you say? And, and, and so, you know, sometimes uh, when, the, when the band was leaving the stage here a while ago, they, they were so good this morning. They're good every morning, but some Sundays it's just like over the top. And uh, they, were, they were walking by and, and I was like, y'all killed it, you know? And, and it would have been just weird for me to say, y'all murdered it. If I'd have said that, they'd have been insulted probably that, that I said that. But, but the word murder... It brings up strong feelings, doesn't it? 
It, it brings up different emotions than what we might use if we say that, that something was killed because we think of murder more like something that's done intentionally, right? To take the life of an innocent human being. And, and so there's kind of been this confusion or, or, or maybe this tension uh, around what we were taught as children uh, compared to the, the, the true meaning of this command that, that's in Scripture because for hundreds of years, we've been taught Thou shalt not kill. And, and there have been groups of people that have literally taken that command the way we learned it as children and, and said, well, you know, that means that God forbids killing anything. And, and even, you know, some even use it to make the case that we should all be vegetarians because God's word says, do not kill anything. And so what they've done is they've taken this command that we learn as kids that said, thou shalt not kill. And they've taken this command and they've twisted it to say, thou shalt not have T-bone steaks. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'll just tell you, life without steaks, that is what hell is going to be like. Okay? If you, if you don't go to heaven... No steaks for you, no steaks for you, and if you do get one, they're going to be well done and burnt, right? But, but anyway, you know, and I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding for those of you that are wound too tight, <laughs> sort of. But it's important that we, we truly understand this command because people will also refer to this command and say that God has forbidden us from ever taking the life of another person, even if it's in war or, or even in the uh, situation of self-defense. But when you look at the message of, a, of the Bible as a whole, and we've talked about this a lot, we just can't take a passage of scripture and say, you know, this, this is it right here. We have to take the Bible as a whole and what it says about a particular subject and we have to factor in everything that is said about that topic in that subject to come to the conclusion of what God is trying to teach us and what God is trying to tell us. And, and so when you look at, at the message of the Bible as a whole regard, regarding what this is saying, I, I would say that, that, that thou shalt not kill is not the intent of this commandment. All right, and the heartbeat of this commandment is more accurately translated in versions and translations. And I'm not going to debate this with you because I'm just right, and so we're not going to debate it. But, but I believe that some of the newer translations actually take our language and, and do a better job in some cases translating the original manuscripts and, and languages uh, to where today our, our newer translations say what we have here this morning, you must not murder. And back in the 1600s, when the King James Version was translated, the word kill and the word murder basically had the same meaning, okay? They carried the same weight. They both meant the same thing. But over the past 400 years, the English language has evolved, okay? And it's, it's changed. So now the word murder does best represent the message that God is trying to share with us in and through his word. You shall not murder. You must not intentionally claim the life of an innocent human being. And you're probably this morning going, okay, you know, I can do that. That's simple enough. Can we go home now? 
right? And it's raining. You don't want to go out. I, so I can preach another hour on this. I've got lots of things to say. But we look at this commandment, honestly, don't we? And, and we, we have always seen this one. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not kill. However we look at it. And, and it's always kind of been like the free space on the Ten Commandment bingo card. Really. I mean, really. It, it, it's an easy one for us. It's one that we can just kind of skip over. Uh, you know, I, I've never done that. I'm not even considering it. You know, right now, I'm not. And, and so, you know, I can check this off because this commandment doesn't really uh, apply to me. Until Jesus comes along and clarifies it and speaks to it a little more in depth and teaches us that it's not just about committing some horrific action, but Jesus takes this commandment and he makes it a commandment about our hearts. Jesus says this to us about this commandment. Take a look at your heart. All right? In Jesus' most famous sermon out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7, anybody know what that sermon's called? Sermon on the Mount, right? It's Jesus' most popular sermon that he preached. Multitudes had gathered. says there were thousands of people there. He begins this sermon out, the first part of his message, and he begins talking about these words that God had shared with Moses thousands of years ago, which included the Ten Commandments. And so Jesus is preaching this sermon. He begins to share these very familiar words that they would have all been familiar with out of the Old Testament. And let's look at what Jesus says in chapter 5, verse 17 in the book of Matthew. Jesus says, don't misunderstand why I've come. Okay? I did not come to abolish the law of Moses, or, or the, even the writings of the prophets. I didn't come to abolish that. No, I came to do what? I came to accomplish their purpose. So Jesus is preaching here, and he's saying, don't miss this, right? I am here. I have come. Yes, indeed, I have come to do something new. No doubt about it. I've come to do something new. But that doesn't mean the old is going away. The Ten Commandments are still the Ten Commandments. And then he goes on to mention this commandment that we're looking at today a little bit later in the sermon. He's, he's preaching this series, Give Me a Break, and he gets to this one on murder. And, and I want us to look and see what he does with it this morning. And down in verse 21 and 22, he said, You've heard all your life. You've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, then you are subject to judgment. But I say, here, here's what's new. Here comes the new thing, right? I'm bringing some clarity to this for you right now. I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Now, does this command look like the free space on the Ten Commandment bingo card now? <laughs> huh? Because Jesus just took this command about murder and he equated it to anger. You've heard it said all your life that if you murder, there will be judgment for that. But I'm telling you that if you're angry, you are also subject to the same judgment. And let's be honest, because that's what we do here at Greenbrier Church of Nazarene. If you're visiting with us, we... 
We, we don't fake it. I mean, we, we just call it like it is and, and, and we're honest. But when you read that, doesn't it sound a little extreme? I mean, really? Jesus, isn't, isn't that a little extreme? Well, maybe. But maybe not. Because what Jesus was getting at here is the heart behind the extreme action. The heart behind the horrific act. The, 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 that murder whenever it happens. When, when somebody intentionally claims the life of an innocent person. What, what is ultimately behind that horrific action? Well, I would say that behind, uh, you know, almost every single murder is a heart that is deceived. It, it, it's a heart that is filled with evil. It, it, it's a heart that is filled with hate. And so what is it that often drives hate? It's anger. And, and what is it that drives anger or creates anger? Well, it's often pain. It's, it's often hurt. It's when somebody has offended us or somebody has done something wrong to us. And what Jesus is getting at is this. Before murder, there's hate. And before hate, there's anger. Right? And before anger, there's pain. And so I would argue that the seed of murder is planted in every single one of our hearts. And so we can't just deal with the action of murder in our lives. We have to deal with this seed of anger that is wanting to grow within us and in our hearts. So Jesus takes this command that when we began on the surface seemed like an easy one, didn't it? I mean, we take this command that seems like an easy one, and now he makes it really personal for us. And I'll be honest with you, if you're uncomfortable now, you should probably just go ahead and leave. I had, a lady, I had a lady tell me this morning, she said, the longer you preach, the worse it got. And I said, I, I'm sorry. And she said, I'm just going to go home and sit in my house all alone, and I don't even know what I'm going to do with this. And so it's not going to get any better from here, I'm just telling you. But, you know, it, it's, it, it, Jesus takes this command and he makes it so very personal for all of us. And as I was thinking about this, I was, I, I, it's kind of like when you set a pot of water on the stove to boil. Uh, that's how we make tea at our house. I don't know, we're, we're still kind of old school like that. But, but anyway, you know, a pot of water, when you put it on the stove to boil, it's really a great example uh, of what this looks like in our lives. And, and what happens is, is, is we often get offended or someone hurts us or someone says something, you know, that kind of rubs us the wrong way. And it kind of turns up the heat on us, doesn't it? I was talking to some people after the first service, and we were talking about this, how the heat just kind of gradually gets turned up sometimes, and other times it's like a, a, immediate, you know. It's a gas, it's a gas uh, pilot instead of electric uh, stove, right? And so, uh, but anyway, when the heat gets turned up, what begins to happen? Well, our temperature begins to rise, doesn't it? And sometimes the temperature uh, can rise from something that happened a, a long, long time ago, maybe something from our childhood that we're still carrying around with us that can cause our, our temperature to rise. Uh, maybe someone offends us at work. 
Uh, maybe somebody cuts us off in, in traffic. Uh, and just so you all know, for the record, your pastor this past week, uh, well, I didn't do it. Daniel put a GN sticker on the back of my vehicle. So God's doing a work in my heart. God's doing a work in my life. And so now I'm expected to drive much more like a pastor should drive. And so if you've been struggling with whether or not to put a Greenbrier Nazarene sticker on the back of your car because of your driving habits and the fact that you like to tell people they're number one when you're passing them, uh, if your pastor can do it, you can do it. So those are available at the Welcome Center. But anyway, honestly, when somebody cuts us off or somebody does something in traffic, we feel the temperature rising, right? I mean, the heat kind of gets turned up there. And, 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 you know, someone says something critical to us or someone says something critical to our children. And whatever it is, there's all kinds of things in our life that can turn up the heat uh, in our lives. And how deep the pain is depends on how hot the fire gets. And, and for some of us, if we're honest, we walk around, you know, with our pot of water, if you will, one click from boiling over, right? And, and, and so, you know, the challenge is, is that when we reach that boiling point and we reach it with other people, but because sometimes this happens in such a way that the other people around us are the ones that get burned when we boil over. And so you've probably heard someone say before, and you may have even said it yourself, I'm so mad my blood is boiling, right? Because we get that way. And for some of us, the temperature is always pretty high. You know, we're almost there, and it doesn't take, it doesn't take much for us to get to that boiling point. And I don't know about you, but, but I've gotten so mad before that I've lost it, Right? I've gotten so mad before that I just lose control. And I've done it more times than I care to even share that, it, that it's happened. Uh, and, and those that know me well knows that when my temperature gets up and my temperature is rising and I hit my bowling point, I'm not really that pleasant to be around, right? I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you, you don't want to be around me at all. Most of the time, since blood pressure medicine, all right, most of the time I'm pretty level-headed. I would say that most of the time I, I stay pretty calm, but there are times, <laughs> there are times when I can just snap. Don't judge me. I know you all think you're perfect, but it, in my anger, I can lose control with the best of them, right? In my, in my anger, I can say things that I regret. In, in my anger, I can do things that I regret. And when I click over to boiling, it's not pretty. And I don't think it's just me. <laughs> I don't think I'm the only one that struggles with this. I believe that we all can relate. We all can relate. Ain't that right? Give me five. Or not. There you go. That's my man right there. But anyway, sometimes Will's want to sing in the choir, and we don't even have a chair up there. But I don't believe it's just me. I believe that we can all relate to this at some level. We've all been there, right? Let's move on to another. I want to look at this. I want to look at what the Apostle Paul says about it in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Paul's talking about this. And here's what he says. He says, don't sin by letting anger what? Control you. All right? Don't let the sun go down 
while you are still angry. So, Paul says, don't, don't sin by letting anger control you. But I want you to notice what he doesn't say here, and this is important for some of us. He doesn't say that it's a sin to be angry. Did you catch that? He didn't say that it's a sin to be angry. Sometimes anger is justifiable. Sometimes we have a right to be angry. And if we didn't get angry, honestly, there would be something wrong with us. Because sometimes there are things worth getting angry over. For example, someone does something horrific to a child should anger us. Right? To be angry is not sinful. But where the problem is, and the Bible is crystal clear on this, is... When we don't control our anger, our anger begins to control us. All right? If we don't control our anger, our anger will control us. And when our anger controls us, that's when we say the things we regret. That's when we do the things that we regret. And we become someone that no one really wants to be around. And we become someone that we're really not proud of being and maybe we would you know never actually get to the point to take the physical life of someone uh, but that doesn't say that we don't try to kill their quality of life right or we get angry enough to where we try to kill someone's reputation or we get angry enough to where we kill uh, someone else's relationships with other people by the things that we say about them behind their backs. Let me tell you something. We can kill people's hopes. We can kill people's dreams. And we can kill people's spirits. Right? And maybe we wouldn't commit physical murder. But some of us have killed far too much in our lives. By allowing anger to control us. And, and so what Jesus is teaching us. This is not just an action that we need to control. But it's a heart issue that we need to deal with. So I believe the important question for us this morning is this. We get it. But how do we turn down the fire? <laughs> How do we get it off boiling? How do we turn down the fire so that anger is no longer in control of us? Well, look at this verse again that Paul gives us. He starts out by saying, you know, don't sin by letting anger control you, but don't miss what he goes on to say. And don't let the sun go down on you while you are angry. So, so what's he saying here? Right? Listen, sometimes in order for us to turn down the fire so that our anger doesn't control us, we have to let the offense go. Right? There's a song about that somewhere, isn't there? Let it go? Huh? Don't sing it, please. We got to release the offense. For those of you that were here a few weeks ago, you'll remember we talked about, you know, let's give it to God before we go to bed because God never sleeps. Let him worry about it all night. Right? Before you go to bed, give it to him. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. And so we give it to God because he's going to be up all night anyway. That's exactly what Paul's saying here because here's the deal. God understands what happens when we allow anger to fester. 
God knows what happens in our lives when we allow the seed of anger to grow in our lives. And what happens is if we don't turn the heat down, when we allow that seed to grow and to fester, that seed of anger can grow into hate. So God's word tells us, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with it immediately. Turn down the heat so it brings the temperature down in your own heart. That's good preaching. That sounds really good, doesn't it? How are you going to do that? How do we do that? What does that look like? Well, it all comes back to this core character of who God is and this core characteristic that he wants to place in our lives. And it's this word forgiveness. Forgiveness is probably the most difficult relational thing to do. Forgiveness is the most difficult relational thing to do consistently in my own life. And I suspect that I'm not alone with that one either. Because honestly, a lot of times, I don't want to let it go. <laughs> right? A lot of times, I don't want to let go of the anger. I want to be angry. It makes me feel better, I think. You know, I don't, I don't want to let go of the hurt. But God's word to us is always let go of the offense. Let it go and forgive. And that word forgiveness literally means to release. So what is it that we're releasing? If to forgive is to release, what is it that we actually release well, we release the right. We release the right to get back at the person who wounded us. We have every right to return evil for evil. We have every right to hurt them if they hurt us. But forgiveness says, I release that right. I release that right. Because you and I both know that sometimes we stew. <laughs> All right? We go to bed and... Oh, we, we can line it all out in there in the bed. What we're going to say, what we're going to do, how we're going to get back, and what are we doing? We're not sleeping. <laughs> right, we're stewing. It's boiling, simmering. It's boiling, and it's boiling. Sometimes we stew, we plan, we lick our chops for revenge. But can I just tell you, that never turns the heat down. Revenge never turns the heat down. Revenge only turns the heat up. It only fertilizes that seed of anger and causes it to grow. And you may have every right to respond to the hurt, but God says, forgiveness says, I choose not to. I choose to let it go. Great, pre great preaching. So now can I ask you, how do we do that? How do we muster that up? Because I don't know about you, but I'm having trouble. <laughs> right? So how do, how do we muster that up? 
Where, where do we get what it takes to be able to do what we're asked to do? Don't miss this. You can't. You can't do it. It doesn't start with us, and it doesn't come from us. <laughs> right? There is not a single one of us who just has it inside us, right, to, to, to inside ourselves to just muster it up, and we have what it takes to be able to do this. But here's the good news. God knows that. He created you. He knows what you have. He knows what you don't have. He knows what you can do, and he knows what you can't do. He knows that you can't figure this out on your own. He knows that. So let's skip down a few verses here in Ephesians and look at what else the Bible says about this in verse 32 there of chapter 4. It says this, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Great preaching. Great preaching. Somebody help me. How do I do that? Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Do you see where the source of forgiveness comes from? Huh? It doesn't come because we're somehow good enough, right? Or, or I've been able to muster it up on my own. It's this powerful message from God that says, it doesn't start with you, it started with me, right? And, and he says, I want you to forgive because you are forgiven. And, and, and what we've received from God is what we can then pass on to others. See, I can't pass something on to somebody else that I don't already have. I can't pass something on to you that I haven't already received. And, and that's what God is saying here, that, that what we've received from God, we then pass on to others even if they don't deserve it. Right? Because we didn't either. And it was passed on to us. We received it. We didn't deserve it. God says, I don't want you to do unto other people as they have done unto you. He said, I don't even want you to do unto other people as they deserve. I want you to do unto others as I have done unto you. The truth is that God sent his one and only son in my place on my behalf, when I did not deserve it, when I had not earned it, God chose to give grace. God chose to give forgiveness. And can I tell you something? If that knowledge, if what I know, will just travel from my heart, down in my head, down into my heart, it changes everything. If we can just get that message from our heads to our hearts, it changes everything. We learn to be a forgiving person when we have fully embraced that we are forgiven people. And anger is lethal to us. I want you to listen. Anger is lethal to you when you allow it to become luggage. It's lethal to you when you continue to carry it. And it's not just lethal to the person who hurts us. It's lethal to our own hearts as we continue to carry it, as it festers and it grows. And that's why God says, let the offense go. Release it. Turn the heat down. And you will be in control of anger. And anger will no longer 
control you. Listen, as I was studying this, I, I, I read uh, something that a pastor said, and this is so good. It's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free only to discover that that prisoner was me. And I don't know where you're at on your journey, but my guess is that for all of us, this is an area of our life that we probably need some work on, some help with. There's probably an area of your life where you need to extend some forgiveness. You need to extend some grace. We forgive because we're forgiven. But maybe for some of you that are here today, you've never received that grace. You've never received that forgiveness, and so there's no way that you can pass it on to someone else because you've never actually accepted it yourself. Maybe that's you, and, and you're here today, and you've never received the forgiveness that God offers to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the greatest news for all of us is that Jesus, God's only Son, died on our behalf you could say it this way. Jesus was murdered. He was murdered. But it was on that cross where Jesus spoke these words. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Don't miss this. In the context of murder, as he was being murdered, he extended forgiveness. And the forgiveness that he offered while physically on that cross is the forgiveness that he offers us today. We just have to receive it. And so if you're here today and you're willing to submit yourself to him, God promises to give you his grace. He promises to give you forgiveness, and it's free. It's free to us. It's free to you today. I want to ask you this morning, if you would, to bow your heads and, and close your eyes with me this morning. And, and I'm just simply going to pray a prayer today. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus and receive his forgiveness today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And, and all you really need to do is just simply repeat this prayer after me, but say it to God. Just have this conversation with him if you want to accept him as your Savior today and accept this gift of forgiveness in your life today. Say, God, thank you for loving me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life with you in heaven. God, help me overcome the challenges that I'm up against. 
I surrender my life to you. I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, if you made that commitment, if you prayed that prayer, if you surrendered your life to Him and received that forgiveness just now, I just want to encourage you to acknowledge that by raising your hand high so that I can see. I see that hand. Anyone else? Just say, I prayed that prayer. I accepted Christ as my Savior. Anyone else this morning? Just so I can celebrate that with you. I see that hand. Praise God. Anyone else? I prayed that prayer and I've received Christ as my Savior today. God, I just pray for every single person that is reaching their hand toward you this morning. And God, thank you for reaching out to them through your son, Jesus. And I pray today that those who have prayed this prayer and those that have surrendered their life to you and those that have accepted your forgiveness would experience that today in a life-changing way. And God, I just want to thank you today for helping us to realize that we can forgive solely because we are forgiven. And I don't know what that looks like as we walk out this door this morning, but I trust that you're at work. And so I pray that we would be faithful and we would be obedient to what you're calling us to do as we represent you. We share the grace and the forgiveness that you've given us. We can now extend that to others. And we thank you for it because we couldn't do it on our own. And it's a miserable life living under the control of anger and bitterness and hate. Thank you for taking this command today that seemed like something pretty simple. But God, you make it so personal not because you want to hurt us or you want us to suffer, or, but it's because you love us and you just want us to be more like you, more like our dad, our heavenly father. Thank you for that. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.